Welcome back. Bill Michaels Show, uh, we're glad you're with us. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us. As always, we certainly appreciate it. On a uh, Friday, final hour of the program. This portion of the uh, program brought to you by our friends at Sloppy Joe's and Smoke on the Water. Smoke on the Water, by the way, out on Okachi Lake. And tre- the old Bayside uh, out there. But tremendous place if you're looking for a good fish fry tonight. And that or Sloppy Joe's, either place. Really, really good. Tell Joe and Ellen Hennis and the whole gang out there that uh, that I said hi. i got to get out there soon, too. Uh, even if you just stop in for a, a beverage and say hello, but uh, good place. Both Sloppy Joe's and Smoke on the Water. Smoke on the Water on Okachi Lake, Sloppy Joe's out on Hubertus, uh, just uh, east of Holy Hill in that area on, in Hubertus. Small little small little town out there, small little township. Uh, the Super Bowl winning head coach of the uh, Baltimore Ravens, uh, Brian Billick, uh, chatted with him. Such a a wealth of knowledge, and to get into this weekend, you've got good matchups. Cincinnati on the road in Kansas City. The 49ers on the road taking on the Rams. But that crowd seems to be a crowd that's buying up tickets in, in huge quantities to where it may not even be a home field advantage, at least reportedly, for the Rams. Uh, we bring in uh, the head coach, uh, Brian Billick, part of X-Tech Pads and Company. Coach, how you doing? Uh, doing great this morning. I, I got to ask you. I heard that you uh, for a, for a guy that didn't like golf, you're now all in. That uh, the golf game is all you. Oh yeah, I'm, I tell you what, I've got the bug, <laughs> and, and like everything, you know, I tend to be uh, obsessive compulsive, and uh, but no, it's great. I'm enjoying it, and uh, you know, my problem is I'm, I'm I've gotten to where I can get on in regulation, but that I can five putt any green in America. I am the worst putter <laughs> in America. I am the worst putter. Uh, I mean, it's that's the next challenge in my game. Well, I guess it's good uh, then that they have all of these Super Bowls in warm weather climates, so you could uh, bring the clubs with you, do a little golf in between, doing some analysts uh, stuff along the way. Well, How do you like the new sure. gig for uh, Arizona State, by the way? Well, just getting started. I'm excited about it. I am. Uh, I did the Hula Bowl early in the month. Mike Smith, who's my brother-in-law, and of course the former coach at Atlanta Falcons. He kind of put that together and uh, had a great time, had a great staff. I had Wade Phillips was my defensive coordinator. Mike Tice was my line coach. Kevin Sumlin was my receiver coach. Carnell Lake and Mark Collins coach on the defensive side. So we, we had a great time and really enjoyed the kids. And uh, Herm Edwards, Ray Anderson, who's the AD out there, and my longtime lawyer and agent, uh, of course, Marvin Lewis is out there. And they approached me about – you know, coming out and doing kind of off on the offensive side, what Marvin has done for them on the defensive side. And the more we talked about it, it seemed intriguing uh, and uh, seemed like the right thing to do. So I'm excited to get about going out and seeing where I can help. Well, congratulations there. I, I did want to talk to you a little bit about, obviously, an AFC and an NFC championship week. You know all about this. Uh, it, let, let's start from the AFC side. Uh, Kansas City, a team that has been to the Super Bowl now two times in the last two years, looking for a third Fourth straight AFC championship game. Cincinnati, somebody that is not familiar with this at all. This is a franchise that, quite frankly, is a little bit surprising to be there with Joe Burrow being this young. Give me your thoughts as both sides gear up for this matchup down at Arrowhead this weekend. Well, it's going to be a great matchup, I think. I mean, typically when we talk about a team taking on Kansas City, at some point we're talking about, well, and if the game turns into a track meet, then then this is going to be an issue. And that's the challenge when you play what they do offensively. I mean, obviously, how great was that game between Buffalo and, and, and Kansas City oh, going yeah. up and down the field? But in this regard, I, I think Cincinnati, they may be going, you know what, if it's a track meet, we're fine with that. 
because uh, we feel like we can keep up with them offensively. And if it's just a matter of who has the ball last, we're okay with that too. So, I mean, who's been better over the last month of the season, uh, end of the season and into postseason than Joe Burrow? He's been just absolutely spectacular. Uh, so, yes, this is a big moment for them. Uh, Kansas City at home, they've been there. So you got to think, okay, this should probably go Kansas City's way. But Cincinnati and, and, and Joe Burrow are playing at such a high level. Uh, this, this could be a good game. Looking at that, and my biggest concern is the offensive line for Joe Burrow. Nine sacks, he was hurried uh, 11 times, knocked down like 12 or 14, if I read correctly. Uh, when you've got an offensive line that is just that porous, what do you do as a play caller? How, how, do, you, how do you kind of try to patchwork that thing together? Well, it is a concern, but evidently it doesn't make a whole lot of difference because having said that, with the nine sacks, he was 28 of 37 for 348 yards. So, so basically, if, if he wasn't getting sacked, he was completing the ball uh, with big plays down the field, did have the one turnover. Uh, of course, Ryan Tannehill had three turnovers, so that certainly was the difference in the game. They had five explosive plays, plays of 20 yards or more. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, no, you don't want them to get hit that much, and they've got to address it. And Kansas City and Steve Spagnola, they can dial up some of those pressures. But I'd be a little careful about pressuring too much because they, they, Joe Burrow may invite that and it gives them an opportunity for a big play down the field with the excellent receivers they have. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, you've got a guy in Zach Taylor who is up for coach of the year and then obviously Andy Reid and what he's capable of doing and, and what he has done in getting there and kind of being a very smart, calming influence for his guys because he's been there, done that. Do you give the coaching edge to, to Andy Reid because of the been there, done that? Or do you go and give it to Zach Taylor because sometimes you don't know any better? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could look at it that way. Uh, you know, certainly, Andy Reid. Uh, the thing, the strength of Kansas City right now is just that, yeah, we have been there. And we've never been out, you know, we're never out of it, no matter what adversity they face. And you remember last year uh, in, in their run in their playoffs, uh, they had to come from behind in so many instances. But this year, they've had to do a little bit of that. And so, but it was, hey, no problem. 13 seconds, you know, uh, uh, go the length of the field. Sure, we can do that. Um, so that, that confidence that they have because they've been in those situations and answered the bell certainly is a big part of that. So, you know, cause something's going to happen in this game and you're right, Kansas city, they've been, they've been time tested. So, you know, they're going to be fine when, when they hit that rough spot, I'm talking about Cincinnati now when that's, you know, you weather the storm, so to speak, can they weather the storm and not panic and, and still, uh, still keep the game close. Speaking of coaching, and this is something that's somewhat puzzling, but they've had different teams, they've had different personnel. Shanahan has never lost to McVay. Can you have you ever been in a situation like that where, as a coach, personnel has changed, but there was just one guy that, for whatever reason, was able to get your number? You know that it, it's interesting it, it, that it, because obviously they play each other so often. Uh, clearly, uh, San Francisco has been through upheaval in personnel because of injuries and. Um, and, and the mindset's going to be interesting for the Rams going in because they're obviously playing very well. They're at home. They know they can beat San Francisco, but they just haven't. It's a little, I've, I reminded, what was it, years ago, Ely Nastasi had lost, lost like 24 times in a row to Jimmy Connors, and, and the next time they played, he said, nobody beats Ely Nastasi 25 times in a row. 
You know, that, that, that was his mantra. You know, we're going <laughs> right. to, so I can, I can kind of see uh, McVeigh going, nobody beats us seven times in a row. That's going to be our battle cry as we go in. Uh, but San Francisco's plan is, is very simple. When, and when they execute it, when, when uh, Garoppolo can stay in that 25, 30 pitch count, not turn the ball over, and uh, they can run the ball, play solid defense, play in those tight margins, take it down to the end, that's the game they want to play, and they've been very successful. The Rams are capable of playing that game. The key to me, as it was last week, was uh, Matthew Stafford. As long as he doesn't turn the ball over and put San Francisco on a short field, I think I think the Rams are going to be in great shape. And and last week against Tampa Bay, you know, uh, and, and ultimately the way Tampa Bay came back, but he didn't turn the ball over. He's 28 of 38, 366 yards and two touchdowns. So, yeah, that that's the game they need out of Matthew Stafford uh, to make sure that they don't play San Francisco's game, which is get a turnover and put them on a short field. I uh, I obviously want to ask you about the game that uh, you know the Packers were in and then ultimately lost. We saw both phases, offensive and uh, special teams, fail. But I, I, we were all a little bit shocked. Obviously, everybody just thought uh, you know the Packers were going to kind of roll through this. And now the off season begins with Aaron Rodgers, and you and I have talked a lot about this. So. So how do you approach this as the organization and from what you've seen outside looking in with the relationship mending that's gone on between Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers and such? How would you approach this offseason? Well, kind of like any offseason, particularly if you have a quarterback that is the stature and at the age of, of uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, because this is always, you know, whether it was we just saw Ben Roethlisberger retire, questions, is Tom Brady really going to come back? Yeah, you have to address it as an organization. The issue, and that's just in general, is this guy going to leave either by retiring or does he want to go someplace else? You know, let alone the issues that they, and I I can't imagine that now having gone through the entire season together, being in the building every day with one another, all those issues we talked about going into the season, I can't imagine that they haven't been somehow resolved. If they haven't, they're certainly not going to be resolved over the next month or so. So I would imagine that, that, uh, what they're going to do is probably pretty apparent to them and, and Aaron Rodgers as well. Uh, after all this time, what that is, we'll find out. Uh, with You had mentioned uh, Tom Brady, obviously Roethlisberger calling it a career, Rodgers coming towards the end of his. It's kind of a changing of the guard, isn't it? When we saw Josh Allen and, and when we saw Justin Herbert this year and what he was capable of doing. And really, it's kind of like Matthew Stavert is the, the, the mid-range, the last of the old guard right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, we have this great influx of young quarterbacks that are playing so well right now. Uh, you know, a healthy Lamar Jackson you throw into there, Ryan Tannehill, notwithstanding uh, uh, the last game with, with Tennessee, has stepped up and played well. I mean, they're just not a good young quarterback play. Matthew Stafford is interesting. I mean, Matthew's, we, we talked about can Cincinnati big enough to step up into the moment. A lot of people say, okay, it's a big moment for Matthew Stafford. Can he step up into it? He's played a lot of football. And, and it was always interesting to see. I was going to be interested to see how he meshed with the Rams to be in a place where he doesn't have to throw the ball 700 times a year uh, like he had to in Detroit every year to have the balance, to have the good defense. Obviously, they're playing well. The big key is, and he's had some interceptions over the last four or five weeks prior to the playoffs um, and, and didn't against Tampa Bay, and that was huge. And, and that's going to be equally as important, obviously, in playing San Francisco. Coach, it's always great to talk to you. I certainly appreciate your time. Best of luck out at Arizona State. Uh, are you are you heading out to L.A. or are you going to beg this one off? 
No, no. I, uh, of course, I'm not doing anything for the network anymore. I was done with them in July. So, uh, no, I'm going to, in fact, I'm heading down to Arizona and going to, uh, kind of start that process a little bit and maybe play a little golf and, uh, and enjoy the, the weather because it's uh, well, maybe, 12 degrees here in Columbus. <laughs> oh, geez. Maybe when we uh, head out for either spring training or uh, Super Bowl next year, we'll uh, we'll hook up and find a golf course and then slap it around a little bit, okay? We'll do it. Sounds great. Hi, buddy. There you go. That is uh, Brian Billick, the Super Bowl-winning head coach of the Baltimore Ravens and former NFL Network analyst, now working as an offensive advisor to a Herm Edwards and company out there in uh, Arizona for the Arizona State Sun Devils. This portion of the program brought to you by Curly's Waterfront Pub and Grill. If you're looking for a good place to go watch some sports, it's on the lake. Watch the guys fishing over there. If you're on the top of that thing and looking out over Pee Lake, uh, Curly's Waterfront Pub and Grill. They got that giant, big, giant, uh, you know, piggy sandwich out there, too. That thing's huge. You're probably not going to eat that if you're looking for a fish fry, but, man, a pig porker, too. Good sandwich. Big sandwich but good sandwich and a really good bartenders. A lot of fun, really great atmosphere out there too. On Pewaukee Lake, that's Curly's waterfront pub and grill on Pewaukee Lake. Tell them I said, Hey, more of the Bill Michael show. Mike Clemens is up next after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael show on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. Aaron, were you able to, to wish Nathaniel good luck today? You've obviously talked about how much you appreciate him in the past. Why do you think he'd be a good head coach? One of the prereqs to being a good head coach is presence in front of a room. And part of that captivation is in the way you talk. I think those are underrated qualities that a coach can have. And Nate has all those things. He's able to captivate the audience, which is usually the offense. He has uh, great energy. I don't know how he does it sometimes. To have a beautiful wife and four kids and all the demands that being a father has on you and then to be able to bring it every single day at the facility is uh, very admirable. So, you know, he brings such a great positive energy to a room, and I think any team would be lucky to have him leading their squad. Welcome, welcome one, welcome all. We are glad to have you back the Bill Michaels Show. We continue on as, uh, well, those are the words of Aaron Rodgers. We now bring in Mike, <laughs> excuse me, Mike Clemens uh, as I uh, have a sneeze and something just snuck up on me that quick. But, uh, Michael, how are you doing today, man? God bless you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm Holy doing back. fine. I'm doing fine. Um, I, uh, I wanted to first talk about Nathaniel Hackett how big of a departure that is for the team. And, you know, in the last year or two, because he had an interview with the Falcons uh, at the end of about this time last year, and they ended up hiring Arthur Smith, who'd worked with LaFleur with the Titans. And, and so he, you know, just like LaFleur, he was the second guy to leave Rabel and get a head coaching position within the last couple of years. And, you know, when Nathaniel's up there talking, you know, sometimes he's like just really nerdy where he's talking about these film clips he's playing in team meetings where they're going over X's and O's and installing offenses where he's playing clips from Austin Powers movies and Star Wars. And uh, he's into the, all the Star Wars shows. Um, so it's just kind of geeky that way. But, you know, you know he's he's. He could be a candidate for that show, A Football Life, because he's literally grown up about it. Paul Hackett, his dad, was part of the Bill Walsh coaching staff of the 49ers in the 80s when Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and those guys are, you know, winning Super Bowls. And then Paul, 
gets the job uh, at Pitt as a head coach, hires this guy that was working uh, you know, overnight on the tollway collecting uh, cash on the Pennsylvania tollway named Mike McCarthy, makes him a tight end coach. And little Nathaniel is, you know, running around the field, eight or nine years old, and, you know, literally calls, you know, McCarthy like Uncle Mike. And then the family all uproots and goes down to Kansas City, where I think he worked with that year that Joe Montana was with the Chiefs, but under Marty Schottenheimer. And so Hackett's part of that staff, and so is McCarthy, and so is a guy named Russ Ball. But, you know, I talked to Russ Ball about that at the Kansas City game. So this is the way what Nathaniel Hackett grew up in, is around these guys, his dad and all these other NFL guys. He finds himself then for the Buffalo Bills, and then Doug Marone brings him along to the Jaguars, and then he makes him the scapegoat when they go to the playoffs one year, and then Blake Bortles is struggling, and he brings in uh, Nathaniel on a Monday morning, this hack Doug Marone, and says, all right, Nathaniel, uh, you know what we got to do, right? And he thought he says, "Yeah, we got to we got to bench Blake, right?" Well, that, and we're going to have to let you go as offensive coordinator. Like what? Huh. <laughs> well, right. What? What are you talking about? Didn't so see that he, coming. He got totally burned, and that's when I thought if McCarthy was in trouble, that if Marone had gotten axed that year instead of they waited yet another year. That that would have been a great place for McCarthy to go. Let's just state the around. facts. I'm, I'm a highly successful NFL head coach. But it all played coach. out the way it did. Their old Urban Meyer mess. So uh, you're listening to Nathaniel Hackett, and I'm, to me, I'm thinking he's too nice of a guy. But how can that be if he's if he's from a football family? He must be able to be a disciplinarian. I just think that one of the things is he is so positive. He has so much energy. He helps players. He must be a good teacher. Now, I have seen him get stern on the practice field from time to time, but whatever, the Denver Broncos give Vic Fangio his first head coaching opportunity, but a guy highly respected from Aaron Rodgers on down for his defenses, for first the 49ers in the Harbaugh area, and uh, you know wherever his other stops, the, the Bears and even the Broncos, they only give him three years, and this year they went 7-10, and 10, so instead of another defensive guy or keeping him in there another year, they bring in Hackett because whatever they're going to do at quarterback in Denver, Hackett could help develop a young quarterback, and they give him the job. He was supposed to interview with the Jaguars yesterday, but they wouldn't let him out of Denver and uh, and made him that offer, and they worked out the deal all day yesterday. We're waiting for the press conference and all that kind of thing. So Nathaniel Hackett was asked about a week ago at this time, um, what have you learned as an offensive coordinator under Matt LaFleur the past three years in Green Bay? It's just been such a such a great experience to be able to take a, take a little bit of a seat back, um, be able to look at the big picture of everything, both uh, watching Matt as the head coach and then being able to assist Matt and all, all the offensive play calls and everything and how he meshes everything together. I mean, it's just been an amazing experience. It really has. And and I think the final thing is the culture. I mean, the culture that he's brought here, it's one of those things like, I mean, that's, that's, this is how it should be, the way we have it, the way our relationships with the players, uh, the, the trust that we all have in each other, the trust we have in Aaron that Aaron has in us with Devontae, Mercedes, just all the guys. I mean, it's such an amazing thing. I think it's a product that everybody can see out on the field, and it, they can feel that caring and that love that we all have for each other. And that's why one of the reasons why we've been so successful. So it's been a very, very much a growing process and a learning process here these past three years. And I, I've, I've, I love it. Don't want it to end. 
We have seen the coaching changes already with Nathaniel Hackett. Luke Getzey's interviewing in Chicago. Uh, everybody still waits to see what the Packers are going to do with Mo Drayton, Mike. And I've said all along that after the evaluations of the players are over, they look at the coaches. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do with that offense. And then I would assume if there's going to be a move made, it usually happens on a Friday night or a Saturday when the news cycles. When they let guys go, they don't do it in bravado. They do it very quietly. Yeah, in terms of the, making a change at special teams, but first, what what have you? What are your thoughts about what's going to happen next at offensive coordinator? Because the the situation in Green Bay is Lafleur will be an offensive head coach who will continue to call plays, and then coming up is your quarterbacks coach and you know pass coordinator. You know, that's just the way that these guys get some extra money. They add some more words to their title, but Luke Getzey has been with this team now a long time. I mean, he, he was one of those quality control guys out there under McCarthy back in 2014. And then McCarthy made him a receivers coach for two years. And so Getze, as a former quarterback from college, he's the guy that had the receivers doing all those kinds of weird and different hand-eye coordination drills. Like, you know, Devontae Adams was catching bricks with his, to build up his fingers. Or they were bouncing tennis balls off a wall just for hand-eye coordination, all those kinds of things. And then I think that Getzey, first he had an opportunity to call plays and be an offensive coordinator back at Mississippi State. I also think he might have smelled what the rock was cooking, you know. Mm -hmm. So he left Green Bay and became the offensive coordinator down at Mississippi State, which, by the way, ended up scouting some pretty good players like Elton Jenkins, you know, was a Mm -hmm. center down there. McCarthy gets fired the next year. And so then LaFleur brings him back, probably at the request of Rodgers, to become his quarterback's coach. Well, now, you know, Ben just told me that Matt Eberflus, the new head coach of the Bears, a defensive guy, defensive coordinator of the Colts the last four or five years, 51 years old, first-time head coach ever in his career at 51 years old. I thought that was interesting. You know, the Bears didn't go with experienced head coaches like either a Dan Quinn or Jimmy Caldwell. They're going with another defensive guy. Um, but he's run, run some really good defenses uh, with the Browns or the Colts the last couple of years. Uh, now, Getze has an offer to go to the Chicago Bears and he'd be a play-calling offensive coordinator. You know, will that happen? And, and I'll tell you, Adam Stenovich, who's the offensive line coach that has a lot of respect, very, very smart guy, I don't, I don't know if that guy's going to be eventually a head coach. Getzey reminds me of Daryl Bevel, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, Getzey and Bevel could both be head coaches some days. But that's where that sits right now as to where LaFleur, what he's dealing with, on you know, with all the knowledge that he's lost with Hackett, you know, where he needs to look to get somebody else to fill that offensive coordinator position, whether it's going to be another year with Rodgers or to, to develop Jordan Love. So that's the situation right there. But then, then, then comes the special teams thing. And, you know, the story was three years ago when Matt LaFleur first arrived in Green Bay, you know, his first choice for uh, special teams coordinator ended up with the Saints and getting a big payday. Now that Sean Payton's out, maybe that, you know, that staff is all released. But the Packers didn't spend, you know, the big money to get that position. So they had to settle for like a Sean Menenga, a guy that Petten knew, an assistant that Petten knew with the Browns. And now Mo Drayton, you know, who's worked very hard and has got this great communication skills, but he's not like one of these top five or six 
special teams coordinators in football that's, you know, like a killer strategy guy. And, you know, like, for example, and, and all the things that, that has been thrown at Mo Drayton, like, you know, you come out of camp and now you find out that your GM is going to cut your punter, going to cut your long snapper, so you got to reinvent the hold and the punt game in the middle of the season. And then, you know, you, you lose your return man in Kylan Hill um, to an ACL on a kickoff. What was that against the Cardinals game? I mean, yeah. he had an awful lot thrown at him. And, you know, your head coach isn't really very good at special teams, so you're kind of there on an island. And I remember what Mo Drayton was going through with the bad coverages that they had on, like, that 97-yard return they had against the Bears just about six weeks ago at Lambeau Field. He had to talk about that after the game. I'll say this. No one feels worse than those young men who are on the field. Uh, no one feels worse than them. Uh, they, they have beat themselves up, and that's why, you know, I'm the positive Pete right now. We got, we got to be positive Pete because uh, those guys feel bad. They do. Uh, and, and they're working hard. And, you know, I was encouraged going into the game because we had a good week of preparation. Uh, we've had a great two days of preparation here, uh, but we have to do it on Sunday. There you go. That's uh, Mo Drayton. Let's do this. We're at the bottom of the hour. Mike Clem is joining us. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about all of this coming up. Stay tuned, kind of wrapping things up, wrapping up our week with Mike Clemens. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Francisco is moving on with a 13-10 win here at Lambeau. And this crowd and that Packers team is stunned. You know, so many guys' contracts are, are up or on the brink or salary cap stuff. So a lot of decisions to be made. I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. world and football fans everywhere now wondering what is next for NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers now that his Packers are out of play after last night's crushing defeat against the 49ers. Rodgers says the loss was a shock and he's going to take some time to think about what might come next after 17 seasons with the Packers. Yeah, that's... uh... There's some sound there. I like that. It was crushing, to say the very least. This portion of the program brought to you by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, comfortable, and just a mile from Lambeau Field. But uh, not that Lambeau Field is going to be used a lot now, but think about it for any other needs or maybe come uh, training camp time, mini camp time, things like that. Go to Bay, And the Bay Family Restaurant, fantastic, featuring home-style cooking seven days a week. That's the Bay Motel on South Military Avenue in Green Bay. Call them right now for reservations whenever, 920-494-3441, 920-494-3441, or go to baymotelgreenbay.com. That is baymotelgreenbay.com. They bring you Mike Clements, our NFL Serious Radio Green and Gold Insider, and uh, I guess the next question, Mike, is uh, everybody, you would assume everybody inside the walls of 12, 1265 would love to see Aaron Rodgers say, you know what, I want to come back, bring me back. Yeah, and, and I'll take a pay cut to do it because that's what it'll probably take. But I just, right. Aaron Rodgers loses in a primetime game again like that, Lambeau Field in the snow, 
these, you know, these are all the conditions that he's been asking for. Get me a defense. Get me, you know, uh, one of these fresh young uh, minds in, in, in a head coach. Uh, get me Randall Cobb back. Get me, you know, keep Mercedes another year or two. Keep these, and 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 you give him all that, and he still can't pull the trigger and get past to get to the next step in the Super Bowl. He ends up being the number one seed and then one and done in the playoffs. So when Aaron says the word rebuild, all of a sudden it sends you know these shock waves where the NBC Nightly News is talking about it, and I'm here to tell you, folks. The Green Bay Packers are in rebuild mode every year, every year. I mean, for the last couple of years, they knew that they had Aaron Rodgers, and they went out and drafted A.J. Dillon because he was going to replace Jamal Williams, and they got Josh Myers because he was going to replace Corey Lindsley, and they got Eric Stokes at corner because he was going to challenge and eventually push out Kevin King, and they got T.J. Slayton, who came on and had a nice game, a rookie defensive lineman, and the, you know, it was a very strange move as to why they cut Kingsley Kiki three days by why they benched him essentially the last three games of the season. Still haven't figured that out because he'd had some pretty quality snaps over the – and then they get guys off the street. Devondre Campbell goes from practice squad to all pro at linebacker. And Rasul Douglas, everybody knows that story. Well, that's not rebuilding. That's just what Brian Gutekind says. He's trying to get the best players off the draft board, off the personnel board, off the street, whatever, and that, you know, meet the requirements of the budget and get the best players on the field all the time. And so whether Aaron Rodgers, you know, leaves to go golfing and retire or leaves to go to Denver or anything like that, it doesn't really change. Everybody thinks that somehow that, that you know, Gutekunst is going to say, oh, that's it, all right, we're going to lose for the next two or three years and rebuild the team. No, that that's really not the way what their attitude is. I mean, hell, they drafted Jordan Love when they were convinced that Aaron Rodgers still had a, another at least two or three good years in him, and they, they, they did that to push him and to challenge him. So we asked Matt LaFleur directly on Monday, does, you know, when you talk to Brian Gutekinds, when you talk to Russ Ball, the vice president of finances, or, you know, the big guy, Mark Murphy, do they want Rodgers back next year? Every, every conversation I've been involved in with, uh, you know, with Goody and Russ and Mark, we're, we're all um, we're all on the same page there. So there, there's no debate. Is that a yes? There's no what debate. He says, there's no debate, but he, he says we're all on the same page. I mean, yeah. is that a yes? We want him back? Yeah. I would assume it is, but and then, then again, Aaron Rodgers was immunized. Everyone is, you know, is, is concerned about this this cap hit number, maybe $45 million that Rodgers has coming back. If he comes back this year, they can't afford half of these guys that are going to become free agents, 13 of them unrestricted. And so LaFleur asked, is there a plan to keep as many of these roster guys as you can despite the salary cap issues? Which, by the way, most recently I've heard the cap is going up. It's supposed to go up. But here's what LaFleur said about the salary cap. Yeah, absolutely. There's a plan in place. You know, we'll get more into that plan. I think now that the season's over, there's no plan for a rebuild. No plan for a rebuild. They want Aaron, at least assumedly, want Aaron Rodgers back. So now you just wait and see once you get your 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 coaching staff together, how you move forward from here, I guess is the best way to put it. There's a lot of marching orders going on right now. I, 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 you know, despite 
the uh, the off field situation with Aaron Rodgers, despite that they you know that he kind of hung the GM out to dry, even though the GM did put together a pretty nice little roster, and then they went ahead and said, okay, we'll give up a draft pick, we'll bring back Randall Cobb for you too. All right, we'll do that, and then the GM you know decided maybe the veteran has got a point. Maybe I and I need to stop thinking about being Ted Thompson Jr. And I should go down there and talk to these guys, you know, and have a and have a relationship with them, rather than just be, you know, upstairs looking out the window. And one day, you know, somebody says, "Hey, can you turn in your playbook?" That the, the GM actually has more of a personable uh, connection with every one of those players, and that's what Rogers was asking was asking for. That's what he made clear in that half-hour press conference at the start of training camp when he decided to report. So. The next thing is this. You've had this problem with special teams, and it's only gotten worse over the, I mean, the, last, over the last 10 years between Ron Zook and everybody else that they've had in there at special teams in Green Bay. And so it was a year ago that uh, they were preparing for a game against the Bears at Soldier Field, and Cordell Patterson was back there, one of the you know, great returners of the last 10 years or so. And so I asked LaFleur about you know, dealing with uh, Cordell Patterson as a returner. And this is what he said. Mike Clemens. Hey, Matt, regarding special teams kick coverage, you know, we watched Devin Hester so many years. I swear that guy got to the point where he could pause a second, pick his lane, and then use that speed. Do you see a method to what Cordell is doing or why they've had that success on returns? Uh, I mean, yeah, he's... He's just, he's elite. He's so big. He's strong. He's physical. I think they've got a, um, a lot of good players on their special teams units. Rob Reichel. Hey, Matt, have you guys hit a point where you might need to step in and, and try to help on special teams? And it, I guess, is that something you'd feel you have enough knowledge to help with? Yeah, I wouldn't say uh, special teams is, is my expertise by any stretch, but uh, it's, it's more or less just making sure that you know, our players are doing what, what they're asked to do, and then they go out there and execute. So if he isn't, that's that's not his forte, and he admits that, which means you have to hire a really strong special teams guy so you don't have to worry and oversee that, Mike. Bill, what, you know what it means? It means that Mark Murphy has to walk down the hallway and have one of these meetings, and he turns to the GM and says, you get, you make space on your roster for two or three gunners. They don't have to be wide receivers. They don't have to be any. I want two or three killers on special teams. So you've got, you've got some depth. And you get this man a special teams, and we'll get it. I'll pay for it, all right? We'll open up the budget. If it costs us $4 million, we'll get the best special teams coordinator in football. But, we're st- we're, you know, that's where Murphy, I think, has failed them, is it's not like he's showered them with money. They just keep on promoting assistance. You know, assistance that they're, yeah. they're bringing up. They need to get the best in the business to turn that thing around because special teams cost them another season and a possible chance to go to the Super Bowl. So now you get, you know, to the you get to the play, you get to the blocked punt, and uh, it's unbelievable that you've got Corey Bohorquez and he's got his. I mean, first of all, the 49ers drive the ball and they get down to the Packers 19 and they go for it on a, on a fourth and one and Mitchell gets stopped uh, by Rashawn Gary. Unbelievable. And so 
uh, now uh, they set up, and, and the Packers have those three and outs, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then Bohorquez is about to punt, and he's standing in, his own south, in the south end zone. You know, the hollowed grounds where Bart Starr went over <laughs> for, the, for the quarterback sneak in the ice bowl. Now, over the center, the Stephen Ortells who took over as the long snapper. That guy is a wide receiver who re- realized he wasn't going to get into the NFL. He only weighs 225. He worked with Pat, Pat Manley, the longtime long snapper for the Bears, who for 16 years was a long snapper for the Bears. Why? Because he's 6'5 and 265 pounds. He's built like an offensive lineman, and he had great motion with the hands. And his 16 years, he's the longest tenured player for the Bears. And he's teaching guys because nobody in Green Bay knows how to snap a ball. He's teaching this kid how to snap the ball to get it back in 1.2 seconds with laces up. So that's how that kid wins the job. And Hunter Bradley, a draft pick from three years ago, is out. He's over the ball. And you know what? Kyle Shanahan and his special teams coordinator, Richard Hightower, they see this on film. So they take this, this Jordan Willis, a defensive lineman from the Bengals, who after three years, they gave up on him. He was with the Jets. One time he had to sit out six games for PED use, but the 49ers signed him off the street when Bosa had that torn ACL. So he's a guy. He's just a guy. But they moved him over the center in this clutch situation. He took that long snapper and shoved him into Corey Bohorquez, and that's how the ball got blocked. And after the game, Shanahan was asked, you know, was, was there something that you and your special teams guy, Richard Hightower, were able to see flaws in the Packers' special teams so that you could take advantage of? Uh, yeah, we. I mean, Richard did a hell of a job. It was a big game. Uh, I know they've had some adversity here over the second half of the season, and um, and we, we said it on um, on Tuesday when we started. We, we thought uh, our special teams had an advantage in this game, and thought we thought they had an opportunity to possibly win us the game. Um, be able to say that and um, to actually come to fruition, those guys pulled that off was huge for those guys and huge for our team. I uh, still go back to that fourth down play that the Packers got off the field, and I really thought at that point the Packers had won the game, and all we wanted to do was see the offense kind of clock it and get it over with, either put up points or clock it, and it just I still can't believe they lost that game. Yeah, and I don't necessarily blame the defense on that because they did a good job through the whole game. Why wasn't right? Aaron Rodgers able to score and win? And Rodgers, I mean, he got sacked five times, hit six times. Why did they not stick with the offensive line that got them there. Well, David Bakhtiari told us, and David revealed later this week in an article that he had to have that knee drained 15 times, four ounces of fluid coming out of it. A nurse told him, I've never seen that much fluid coming out of, out of a guy's knee. And, they were, and he told us who asked him to play in that Lions game. Yeah, uh, I... <laughs> I got a text from Aaron. He said, I'd love for you to be out there. It mean a lot. I wasn't really planning on it. My goal was just to, for me, just practice is most important. Put in consecutive days of practice, knock off the rust in practice. I've played in more than enough games. I've played in a bunch of playoff games. That didn't really feel the need. Um, but when he texted me, I'm like, all right, see how it goes in practice. I liked how it was in practice. I'm like, you know what? Like I said, I didn't want to exactly be on turf. I'm like, let's, let's do it. Let's go have fun. I'm out there. And I think it was you know, more for him. Then uh, for me, I mean, I felt good. I liked, uh, I liked where my feet were. I liked where my hands were. Um, all things considered, uh, obviously some things to work on, some things to feel out, but I uh, was very pleased with my first you know, 20-something reps and 
over here. So, Bill, instead of going with Yash Nyman, a left tackle who won them eight games, you know, through some pretty good teams, you know, there was this constant confusion about, you know, can we bring back Jair? Can we get Zadarius back in there for some snaps? How about Whitney Merciless? You know, all these half guys, the guys that hadn't played in two months, yes, they're, they're veterans. I wondered if it created confusion. And, I, and so to put Billy Turner there at left tackle instead of Nyman, I asked LaFleur, I said, did Billy Turner get two weeks of reps at left tackle for prepare for the 49ers playoff game? Billy, I think we were optimistic early on, especially after David played in the Detroit game, that there was a good chance that David was going to play in the game. But, you know, it, it, it just didn't work out that way. So he didn't get he definitely didn't get two weeks of, of reps at the left tackle position. And then all the other decisions you had, you know, these other line offensive linemen, sure. linebackers, you know, Jair, you could see where he could come and play, you know, a role in the game. Yeah, that, that, those were all very, very difficult decisions because you think of all just, number one, you, you haven't seen these guys play in a while, so you're like, what is it going to look like? You better have uh, thick enough skin to be able to stand there and, and live by your decisions and know that you, you ultimately try to do what's best, even though it didn't work out. So uh, one, last critical yeah, go ahead. one last critical play on the drive to set up Robbie Gold for the winning field goal a critical third and seven to get them in field goal range in the snow. And rather than have Garoppolo throw it, they went with the run. They put Debo Samuel, who already spent some time on the bench after getting his clock cleaned by Chris Barnes, and they ran him off the right-hand side. Do you know who he got past? Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith to get the first down and set up Robbie for the field goal. Two guys that hadn't played in four months. Let's do this. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, Wrap things up with Mike Clemens next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We'll start with Mike Clemens. Go ahead, Mike. Not sure where to start. How about the the final drive? You're trying to find Devontae and Randall on the sidelines to shot down the field. Um, what was most disappointing? When, what were you up against in that final drive, Barry? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, I should have checked it down, second down. And they brought a pressure. We ended up picking it up on third down. and probably had Allen on the deep end cut instead of, uh, you know, 50-50 ball for there. So, disappointing. Way to, way to end it for sure. The words of Aaron Rodgers after the contest. Tough one. Packers take it on the chin. Welcome back. Mike Clemens joining us uh, on the hotline. So, Mike, uh, now the season's over. Uh, short of Super Bowl, we got a big weekend with AFC and NFC Championship coming up. And then you and I and the staff, we jet out to L.A. and see what we can accomplish there. But uh, then it's really going to be a focus on the Packers to see what the offseason is going to hold. And right now, I think it's a critical weekend to here's the boxes you want to see checked that they back up the truck and they get a real special teams coordinator. Maybe that they can pull somebody or lure somebody away from one of these staffs that's, you know, that's in the playoffs right now. I don't know. But they have to address it because we've been talking about special teams now for a couple of years because if even, to help out Aaron Rodgers, but you're really going to need it to help out Jordan Love. Jordan Love's not ready to be the quarterback yet, it's not, but it's not ready to, to dump him yet. He's not had enough snaps 
to make those decisions. And you haven't really been running the Shanahan LaFleur offense. You've been running the Aaron Rodgers offense. And I don't know why Rodgers became a deer in headlights with the ball in his hand and snow and 10 degrees and a, a record crowd at Lambeau, and he couldn't find Alan Lazard wide open over the middle instead of throwing to Devante, Devante, Devante. I, and that's going to be a really interesting discussion for the Packers front office to decide, is it time to move on, or do we try and get this guy back one more year and try and find one more way to give him a shot? What do you think they just were hedging our bets? What do you think they do? I think they're trying to get him back. I think they'll do everything they can to get him back because they don't have a quarterback that's ready, and Rodgers still gives you the best chance to win. I, yeah, I don't I, think that they're anxious to get a boatload of draft picks and go without them. Yeah, I, uh, I tend to agree, and uh, I also think that we have seen a very small glimpse of the future, and it doesn't look great right now. You know what I mean when we talk yeah, about Jordan Love? I don't Lump? get why yeah. Rodgers thinks that going to the Denver Broncos is the answer for him, too. Because it ain't the team that Peyton walked into, and it ain't the right. team that Brett walked to with all the weapons he had with the Vikings. Right. No Different doubt. situation. My good stuff. Uh, start getting your uh, sunscreen out as we get ready to head to uh, La La Land. So it's going to be fun. to it, brother. It's going to be an exciting Super Bowl. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an exciting Super Bowl. Different trip because of uh, the uh, circumstances, but uh, we're looking forward to it. Good stuff from Mike Clements. That'll do it. Another week in the books. Get ready for the AFC and the NFC Championship games. Do what you do. Enjoy yourself. I'll be tweeting probably at some point during the game, so you can follow us on Twitter, at Bill underscore Michaels. Go to YouTube. Follow the channel. Subscribe for free. YouTube.com slash The Bill Michaels Show, or slash Bill Michaels Show, I should say. Enjoy it. For Ben Kenny, I'm Bill Michaels. Time for us to go. Have a going. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.